2 Timothy 3.14. I'm battling a cold and... Um, It's a little worse than normal. What I mean is I'm uh, lightheaded. So <laughs> if I fall down, you can pick me up, but somebody else might have to come up and finish this thing. I really am a little lightheaded, a little nauseous. But um, uh, when Pastor Craig asked me to fill in, I didn't feel this bad. I actually felt better. But uh, anyway, I only say that because I may be pulling my hanky out, getting water, and looking like I'm sweating too much. I just, I just want to let you know. Um, I want to preach this message to you. It's called Things That I've Learned. And um, it's funny, um, somebody came up to me and said, you're going to go easy on us or hard? I said, more like a grandfather talking to their kids, you know? Or then he, that is, he said, yeah, but the grandfather gives sweets. I said, well, maybe it's more like a father and a son then. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just know there's some things that I've learned and I just thought I'd pass them on to you. I don't have all the wisdom in the world, that's for sure. There are a lot of people older and wiser than I am. In fact, there's people younger and wiser than I am. But my point is that I've learned a couple things and uh, in my Christian life, and I just want to share them with you. Uh, I've learned them from others. I've learned them from serving God. Uh, I've learned them from the Bible. And uh, so um, I just want to share them with you. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now that's Paul talking to Timothy. Remember, all the things that you learned from your mother and your grandmother and now from me, Timothy, and I want you to know you can be assured of them. They're truth. They're, uh, they're foundational. They're going to help you. Of course, he talks about the fact that the Scriptures are where how he got saved, that from a child he learned the Holy Scriptures that we're able to make him wise unto salvation. Well, there's some things that we learn as we go along in our Christian life that we just need to remember that they don't change. They're always going to be a help to us because God doesn't change. So these are some things that I've learned, and uh, I hope they're a help to you. Uh, they help me, and, and uh, I hope they'll help you. You know, we, we should give heed, and we ought to listen to our moms and our dads and the preachers and, and uh, the elders and respect people who are older than us and things like that. But you know what, my mom, I told you before, my mom said to me that nothing good happens after midnight. And you know, she was right. I very rarely see anything good happen after midnight. You know, when darkness comes upon, uh, you know, the world, uh, uh, when, when the sun goes down, it seems like things get worse. They don't get better. Um, so I, I, I just, I was never allowed out past midnight. Amen? In fact, or even earlier than that, you're going to be in here. And uh, she said, don't pick fights. My dad said always, don't pick fights. And um, But he said, make sure uh, if you can walk away, walk away from a fight. But he said, if you're in a fight, make sure you finish it. Make sure you go all the way, you know. Well, I, <laughs> I, I only picked one fight and I got my clock cleaned. <laughs> so I will not be picking fights anymore. I should have listened to dad because he also told me don't be a quitter. And uh, so... 
when I picked that fight, I didn't quit, but I still got beat up pretty good. So I don't pick fights anymore, amen? But he also told me to respect your elders. Isn't that kind of lost today? Uh, teenagers, young people have no idea what it means to respect people who are older than them and hold the door for them and just, just be respectful. It's gone. But that's things that we learned and, uh, you know, things that you've passed on to your children. But parents are great, aren't they? Uh, all the advice that they gave was right because they cared about you. They loved you. And they tried to set you straight. You know, when I became a Christian, I found more amazing truths uh, when I got into this book and started living the Christian life. And uh, one thing I realized was how far God had to reach down to save my soul. I realized how much grace was needed to pull me out of the pit that I was in. And I'll never forget that. And I learned that. I also learned uh, that we have a, a book that is absolute truth. I love my Bible, and you love your Bible. And uh, it's an eternal book. And John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them, Jesus said, through thy truth, thy word is truth. So Jesus said, Take my disciples, Father, and set them apart from the world and all the filth that's in the world by your word. Because it's truth. And that's what you have in your lap is the truth of the Word of God. And that's what sanctifies you. That's what's going to separate you from the world out there. In fact, what they need is what you know, that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. But we don't partake of their sins. We're trying to pull them out of the fire just like Jesus did to us. There are eternal truths. And there's things worth remembering that will help us uh, be better Christians. Number one, I've learned my life and service must be for Jesus Christ. I need to keep Him as my focus. I can't keep people as my focus. They can't be first. I can't keep myself first. Uh, my focus has to be on Jesus Christ because we're all fallible, aren't we? We all fall. We all get our eyes off of the, the real prize, which is the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And when we do that, uh, we mess up. But uh, there's rewards for just following the Lord. They're eternal rewards. But you don't always get them here. Sometimes you've got to wait until you get up there to heaven where God stored them away for you. Turn to Mark chapter 10. You ever see one of them helmets at the football game? These guys wear helmets and it has, it has water in the side and a little straw going down to their mouth. All they have to do is just, I wish I had one of them right now. Because I'm drying up. Uh, Mark chapter 10, and in verse 28, uh, Jesus has just done dealing with a man who was rich, and he wanted to know how he could inherit eternal life. And Jesus gave him a few commands to follow. He said, I've done that. And he said, all right, let go of everything you have and follow me. And he couldn't let go. And after he got done talking to him, in verse 28, it says, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all. We've let go of everything, Lord, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. You know, uh, Peter saw himself 
uh, not just following, but that he is sacrificing for Jesus Christ, that he had sacrificed everything. And you know what? Peter did sacrifice a lot, didn't he? You know, they dropped their nets and they just followed him. And I don't know how many times he had seen his wife. I don't know how many times he'd been home, but he did sacrifice a lot. And he says, we've left all. You know, I remember when Kathy and I left the States and you all have your own stories, but since I'm up here, let me just try to share with you the fact that when we left the States, we sold our home. And, uh, you know, we got on the plane and came to Ireland and uh, we were cutting ties to, uh, to back home. And uh, that wasn't the sacrifice. The sacrifice, that there was four children there. And um, three of our grandchildren were, were born then, but... Uh, Three have been born since we've been on the field, and it's tough on Kathy. She's not in here, so I can talk about it. It's tough on Kathy. Uh, for her, she's left all. And uh, you feel sometimes like you're sacrificing so much, whatever ministry you might be in, or whatever you're doing for loved ones. or uh, I, I'm doing everything, and I've sacrificed so much. Look, our calling was of God. Some people are doing things and they haven't been called of God to do it necessarily. It's just things that they're doing for their loved ones. But let me tell you, God's been good to us. And God's always good to us. And God will always take care of your needs. And God will always provide a hundredfold more if you'll serve Him and keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus' mild rebuke to Peter, it's for me too. Nobody's left everything, Peter, that they won't be rewarded for a hundredfold. Not only now, but in the life to come. So what do you got your eyes on? What do you have your eyes on that's keeping you from serving God? Because I've learned that my life and my service must be for Jesus and Him first and foremost. And when I have my eyes on Him, I'll realize that He sacrificed a whole lot more than I did. He really sacrificed everything, didn't He, on the cross. And it kind of gets you right back down where you need to be. If I can't give to Him a little bit of my life about what He's done for me, His whole life He gave for me on the cross, then there's something the matter with me. I haven't left all. And you'll never regret what you give up to follow Jesus. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret what you have to leave behind in order to follow Jesus Christ. Verse 29 and 30 is that mild rebuke. And no one has left more than God will restore and provide. I've learned that. I don't know if you have, but I can guarantee you, You'll never regret following Jesus Christ. You're going to need to keep your eyes on Him though because the devil will get you on what you left behind instead of what's before you and what you have to look forward to. You know, we forget sometimes that we have families and friends and houses and food and clothes and then eternal rewards up in heaven that are waiting for us. We forget about all that. Where is your focus right now in your Christian life for your service to God? on things that you might have to give up or what you have now and eternally in Christ. Let me just say this. Don't dwell on your sacrifice. Dwell on Jesus Christ. Dwell on Him. And you'll never be, you'll never be regretful of following Him. What have you sent ahead to the bank of heaven? What do you have waiting for you? What rewards? What, what crowns are waiting for you there in heaven that'll never, that moth can't eat up and and uh, they won't corrupt. They're waiting there for you. You're only going to appreciate that unless you keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Unless your service is for Him. Turn to Numbers chapter 20. The book of Numbers. 
chapter 20. Numbers 20 and verse 8, you know, here we are at Mirabah, and uh, the people are thirsty again. They should. They need water. And in verse 8, chapter 20 and verse 8 of Numbers, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye. They were both to speak. Speak ye unto the rock before their, their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron, see together, gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You know, Moses was serving the Lord and all was going pretty well until the focus got off of God and onto himself. Moses had just left God. Both Moses and Aaron had just left talking to God. And God said, speak to the rock. And Moses got angry at the people. Whatever, something welled up inside of him. He got his eyes on himself and those people, and he smote the rock. But you know what? Water still came out. And that's the grace of God that gave that water to those people. Forget about what Moses did. God says, I'm going to supply the water. I've just told you what to do so that I look good in the eyes of the people. Sanctify me, not yourself, before the eyes of the people. So God, God gave him the water. God is always gracious. He's always loving and kind and merciful, even when we're not. Moses got himself all tied up with himself. And he got his eyes on the people. And he got in the flesh. The idea was to make God look good. And instead, Moses drew the attention to himself. And it cost him, didn't it? Never went in. He looked into the land, but he never was able to go in. Or Aaron. He failed to sanctify the Lord. That's what it says in verse, verse 12. He believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Maybe it was a lack of faith. We all are there sometimes. We just don't believe God. Because that's what God told him. Because you believed me not. You had a lack of faith, Moses. He's supposed to speak to the rock, but you struck it out of anger. You know, James 1, 19 and 20, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It was true then, it's true today. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. We need to be doing things for Him. If Moses had just spoke to that rock, water would have came out. And when Moses decided he was going to lift himself up, God still said, I'm going to give them the water that they need because I'm a gracious God. But you're not going in. You're not going to be part of the blessing, Moses. Let me just say, we need to trust in God. 
Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of our, of our God, the Lord our God. Just make sure that your life and your service is for Jesus Christ. That He's the focal point of your life, your walk with God, and your service to the Lord. Otherwise, you could wind up like Peter being rebuked, or Moses, or like many of us that have seen ourselves fall, in a sense, away from uh, our station and what we're supposed to be doing because we got our eyes on ourselves and got them off of Jesus Christ. The second thing I've learned is that in order to properly serve God, I must humble myself like Jesus did. Look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see that? I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus left heaven the praise of all the angels. The creator of the world left heaven and came and took on flesh and died on a cross. You know how I was able to do that? Because he was meek and lowly in heart. That caused him to obey. I'm going to show you that verse in a minute. And that caused him to obey all the way to the cross. You see, Jesus' entire focus was on doing the Father's will. Guess what our entire focus should be? On doing God's will. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we humble ourselves. Because what gets in the way of doing the will of God is our will. We want to do what we want to do. And God knows that. But the only way we're going to get all the way to the end and serve God all the way to the end like Jesus did is to be like Jesus and humble ourselves. And say, I'm just going to do the will of God. It's not easy to do the Father's will unless you humble yourself. You know, 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. You see, we want to do the exalting. And we want somebody else to exalt us. Everybody wants a pat on the back. What about me? Look what I did. Look, I'm just telling you what I've learned. So, I'm not speaking at you. You're kind of getting a little bit of what I learned. And I learned that I need to humble myself. And not worry about lifting myself up. I'll let God do that. God tells us, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. As far as I'm concerned, that's bowing to the authority of God in every area of your life. It's just saying, Lord, you're right. And bow and humble yourself before Him. And saying, you're right, I'm wrong. Because humility is the starting point for obedience. It starts here, in the heart. Real, true obedience starts here in the heart. Now, you can obey without humility. Our kids do that all the time, don't they? (laughs) They do what they're told, 
but they don't do it willingly. I'm talking about willing obedience. When you're serving the Lord and you're just doing it, but you're not doing it willingly, you haven't humbled yourself, that doesn't honor God. Willing obedience honors God. Just like the child who obeys you, they did what they were supposed to do. They cleaned their room, but they didn't do it willingly. I could see their attitude. I could see the joyless face before me as they had to pick up their own socks. It was horrible. You put them through that. Take up their cross every day and clean their room. They don't do it willingly. They're obeying you, but it doesn't honor you, and it doesn't honor God. We have got to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. I'm just telling you, I learned that I need to humble myself. Why? Because we don't like to humble ourselves. Humbling yourselves is an act of your will to clothe yourself in humility. You have to do that. That's an act of your will to do that. It's not natural. The flesh hates it. The flesh does not want to humble itself. You know, I learned to not to delay to rid my heart of foolish pride when it was revealed. You ever had pride revealed in you by God? When God does it sometimes, it really... Sometimes He uses other people. If you find out yourself, you ought to get alone with God and rid that pride, get rid of that pride. Because it shows itself in so many different ways and it will destroy you. You think you're hurting the other person? You're hurting yourself. I learned God will take care of the lifting up when it's time too. I, need, I just need to focus on others. That's what the, the mind of Christ... In fact, turn over there, Philippians chapter 2. That's the mind of Christ. You know, uh, he said, esteem others better than yourselves, Paul said. Philippians chapter 2. And in verse 5, let this mind, let this way of thinking be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why did he not think it robbery? Because he was God in all of his nature and works, but made himself. Do you see it? You have to make yourself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. There's the humility. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even further and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. No one has ever humbled themselves like Jesus Christ did. No one has ever done that. No one has ever been as humble as Him. No one ever will. And that humility, it says, and He humbled Himself in verse 8, and became obedient. That humility took Him all the way. Did He wrestle in the garden? Yes. But did He go all the way? Yes, because He humbled Himself and said, Your will, not mine. You can't serve God properly unless you humble yourself. And He struggled in the garden, but He was all ready to do the Father's will. Aren't you glad He did? Aren't you glad he humbled himself and went all the way to the cross? And he became obedient. And guess what? He was exalted. Humble yourselves therefore, it says 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God and he shall lift you up. Well, look in verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. It's like the verse matches. 
And Jesus has shown you, humble yourself. Do God's will and He'll lift you up in time. And given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the, of the Father. He's exalted. He'll never humble Himself like that again. He's exalted in heaven. God Almighty sits on His throne. It is for us to humbly serve God. And you're not going to do it unless you humble yourself. And then leave the results to Him. Leave it to God. The rewards will come later. The exaltation will come at some time. And it will be better when God does the exalting. Not just man patting you on the back maybe. Number three, I've learned I need to pass on what I've learned. I need to pass it on. 2 Timothy 2.2, please. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2. I've learned I need to pass on what I've learned. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There's four separate generations there in a sense. Four separate groups of people. There's Paul talking to Timothy who will commit to faithful men and they're going to teach others also. You know what that's called? Discipleship. That's called teaching someone else what you already know. And I've learned that that is the absolute bedrock cornerstone in the church if you're going to see your church grow. You've got to be discipled. If you haven't been discipled, you ought to look to be discipled. And if you've been discipled, you ought to disciple someone else. Whatever you've learned, you can teach to somebody else. That's personal growth. You will not grow maybe as fast or to, the, or to the point where God really wants to take you if you're not teaching others, if you're not wringing yourself out once in a while. You remember when uh, Pastor Craig had that, had that water bucket, you know, the, the sponge, and he said, saturate yourself with the Word of God. That's true. We should be saturated with the Word of God. But let me tell you, that sponge can't do anything else. It won't pick up any more water until it gets squeezed out. Until you wring it out. Then it'll suck up more water. And then wring it out. That's how you grow. Otherwise, you wind up like the Dead Sea. You stink. Water comes in, but it doesn't go out. And it gets stagnant. Many a person's gotten prideful because of all their knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. Puffeth up. Hey, it's King James, I'm trying to say it. Puffeth up. But you know, it's another thing to take that knowledge and pass it on. Because it's Bible truth. It'll help you grow. I put 3 John 1.4 up there. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. I've always had that in my heart, and I thank God for that. I want to see people uh, grow. Uh, I want them... Uh, Remember when David said, I've learned more than my elders or uh, I've become more knowledgeable than the ancients? I would love for people to grow and continue to grow and know this book, even in the McCroom Bible study. I want them to grow up. I hope you do know more than me someday. What little bit I know, I'm trying to pass on to you so that you grow. That's a great joy for anyone teaching the Word of God. Judges chapter 2. 
Judges chapter 2. What's the dangers out there? Well, the danger is not sharing your faith or talking to, uh, talking to your children or passing on the knowledge. In Judges chapter 2, <clears throat> they're in the land. They're not paying attention to God. They're not listening to God. In verse 6 it says, let's go to verse 6. Instead of reading all of it there, it just says, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went and every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. Joshua 2.7. I'm sorry, Judges 2.7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Heras in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. What happened? In two generations, the children didn't even know God. They didn't know the God that had just brought them over that through the, uh, uh, the Red Sea and now across Jordan. And they were in the land. They didn't even know that God. How easily they fell into idol worship. In verse 11, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. That's how quick they forsook God and started right back to their idols. Why? Because they didn't know God. They forgot something. The people that have forgot something, they forgot to pass on what they learned about God. They forgot to tell their children about the wonderful works of God. Go back to Joshua chapter 4. This is when they're in the land. Here's them going in. Here's the crossing of the Jordan. You remember the stones? You remember the stones? In Joshua chapter 4 and verse 5, they're getting ready to pass over the Jordan, bringing the ark in. And all the people were going to come into the land. In verse 5 it says, And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst <clears throat> into the midst of Jordan and take ye every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean ye these stones then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the Lord the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And they did what they were told, and they left twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, that I hear are still there, the Bible says, and there was twelve stones when they came out the other side, on the land. Now look, they kept moving on into the land. The people had to tell them. Moms and dads had to tell them about those stones. You've got to have some stones that are going to promote some questions from your children in your own home. You need some things that are going to prompt some questions from them. You need some memorials to remember God because they're not going to find out any other way. 
except by you. Don't leave it up to children's church to teach the kids all about God. It should happen in the home. You know, you would never let your children do something that would hurt them physically. You protect them. Why do we not protect our children spiritually? And allow them to get into involved maybe in things even as they grow into teenagers and get involved in listening to other things and, and uh, believing other things. You ought to have some stones around the house like a Bible stone where the kids say, what's that book you're reading, Daddy? Oh, that's the Bible. And start reading to them and telling them about God. Showing them the wonderful works of God. And a prayer stone. And a faith stone. Stones where, the, where they prompt and you, you're promoting some question from them. Something to remember. They need to, they need to know God. You ought to have a house full of stones. Pass on the Bible stories. Because if you don't, turn over to Romans chapter 16. If you don't, somebody else will. Our children, our children need to know God. This generation doesn't know God. I'm thankful in the church here, moms and dads, I believe, are doing their job. I hope you are anyway. I know some moms and dads are doing a good job. Because if you don't, they'll find somebody out there to tell them something a whole lot different. Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, Paul closes out probably one of the greatest doctrinal books in the Bible by saying this, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. There's people out there that your kids shouldn't be listening to on YouTube or these other preachers out there. They ought to be listening to their preacher, their pastor, and taking their, taking their marching orders from this book and from what their mom and dad tell them. They ought to know God because mom and dad has told them. I'm just saying, we need to pass on what we've learned. I've learned that I need to do that. And you need to do that in your home. Because if you don't, somebody else will. I've learned to do what God teaches me. It kind of sounds like the same thing, but it isn't. This is talking about actually doing what you've been taught to do. It's called living the Christian life. It's called practicing what you preach. James 1.22 says what? Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Who are you deceiving? Your own self. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Paul says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. What's the next word? Do. Do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Obedience, obedience, obedience is what God requires from us. Obey is a four-letter word, isn't it? To some Christians, it's a bad word. Obey. But that's how we can have the peace of God in our lives. Through obedience to the Word of God. I've learned that I have to do what God teaches me to do. I can do it too. You can obey God. 
Because everyone in here knows verse 13, don't you? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Well, then apply it to obedience. Because you can be obedient too. We all can walk with God. We all can have the peace of God in our lives if we obey Him. And we can do it because God wants to help us to do it. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Turn to Ephesians. Just back a couple pages. Pages, Ephesians chapter 4. I've learned, I learned I need to do, I must do what God teaches me. I can't just hear it and not do something about it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore in testifying the Lord, that ye henceforth, from now on, henceforth, Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. That's not what we've learned. That's not what I've learned since I've been a Christian. I've learned how to be different. I've learned that there's new rules to follow. There's new guidelines in the Scripture to teach me how to be different from what I used to be. I'm not going to live the way I used to be. I'm not going to walk as other people walk out there in the world. In the vanity of their mind. I have the Word of God in my mind now. I have a renewed mind. I don't have to walk the way I used to walk. I don't have a darkened, uh, a darkened mind. My, my mind is full of light. Because Jesus Christ has put the Word of God into my mind. I'm renewing my mind. I'm not alienated from the life of God. I'm not far off. I'm close to Him. And I'm not past feeling. I have a conscience. I know when I've hurt God. I know when I've done something wrong. I need to live differently than I used to live. I need to do what I'm taught. We are different because Jesus lives inside of us. And we are in Him. And if Christians of all people should be people of character and honesty and integrity and uprightness. Why? Because you're doing what you're taught. Is that too simple? It's because we're doing what God has taught us to do. Paul told Timothy, Paul's telling the church of Philippi, everything that you've learned about me, you've seen in me, you've received, you've been taught, all of it, do it. And it'll change your life. You'll have the peace of God in your life. Verses uh, 17 through 20, we live differently because of what we learned. Verse 21 says this, If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you know that you're supposed to Put off the old ways. Put off the sinful lifestyle. Put off those old uh, things that you used to do that were against God. And put on the new life. Put on that new man. Let him rule and reign and have dominion, dominion in your life. We're different because Jesus Christ lives inside of us. I don't talk the same as I used to. Verse 25. I don't lie anymore. Put away lying. Speak truth with every man his neighbor. Verse 29, I don't curse, let no corrupt communication proceed out of thy mouth. 
The, the words that I speak should be building people up and helping people and be gracious to people. Not the way I used to speak to people. Because I have a new mind. I have a new thoughts. A new thoughts in my, in my heart and new choices I can make. Because I'm a Christian. Verse 28, I've learned that I, I can be a giver now and not a taker. I was a taker when I could. You, you, you probably think I'm a really bad guy then. Well, he was a bad guy. We were all takers at one time. And now we have to learn to be a giver. You have to learn to give. It's better to give than to receive. We had to learn that. Are you doing it? Are you learning to be a giver? You have to put giving into action. You have to be a doer of the Word. In verses 31 and 32 talk about, I've learned to forgive. One of the greatest things you can do is learn to forgive. It'll keep that bitterness out of your heart. And I know there's probably not a person in here that hasn't been bitter at one time or another because you weren't able to forgive somebody. You weren't able to push something aside and just say, I I, I forgive them. I'm not going to let that thing tear me up. I'm not going to let it seethe inside of me. And why did you do that? Because you don't want to grieve God. You don't want to grieve God's heart in verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Because if you had your list of offenses out here, and God forgave you for every one of them, and you can't forgive someone else, isn't that what the Bible says? God has forgiven us for so much, and we can't forgive others for what they've done to us. I just learned to do what I've been taught to do. I've learned that I need to put it into action. So I don't grieve God's heart. And it helps me to be a better child of God. Lastly, I've learned that the Lord never changes. He's always the same. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. In Revelation 19.11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it is called Faithful and True. Well, I can tell you that what God loved yesterday, He loves today. And He'll love tomorrow. It doesn't change. What God hated yesterday, He hates today. And He'll hate tomorrow. Because He doesn't change. I wonder, does anybody know this chorus? Would you sing it with me? If you know this chorus, would you sing it with me? Because I don't want to sing a solo. But I just thought it would be great to just think about in song, how good God is and how He never changes. Always the same, oh, praise His name. Jesus never changes, He's always the same. Always together, His love is forever. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. Amen. He's always the same in His love for us. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with kindness, loving kindness, have I drawn thee. And His love never fades away. He never loves you less. He never loves you more. He always loves you the same. When I was down in Mizzenhead, I was watching a seal by a rock. And the wave would crash in. 
on that rock. And then you couldn't see it. And then when the wave went out, there was the rock. And the wave would come in again and crash in. And it would hit the rock and you couldn't see it. And then it would pull away and there was the rock. That's Jesus. He's always the same. He's always there. When the waves crash in your life, Jesus is still there. The rock is still there. Sometimes you don't see him. You don't think he's there. But he's there. Because he's always the same. He's the same in his love toward you. It'll never change. He'll always love you. His care for you, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God really does care about us. He really cares about everything in your life. Everything that's in your heart right now, Pat, God cares about that. And sometimes he cares about it more than we do. Because we don't even take it to him. He says, I wish you'd bring that to me. I certainly got bigger shoulders than you do, Dan. And if you would throw that on me, if you would cast that care upon me, I'd help you get through this. Why don't you look toward God and cast your care upon Him? I can't handle it anymore, Lord. It's, it's killing me. Turn to John. This is our last scripture here. John chapter 14. John 14 and verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace, I leave with you my peace. I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He gives us His peace. He wants to give you His peace. Not the peace that's out there in the world. That's not peace. That's turmoil. There's turmoil out there in the world. He has just told them that He's leaving. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's only a few hours away from the cross. When he gives them this instruction, he says, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Take my peace upon you. Look in chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 33. These things, Jesus said, as they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, he's speaking to them in the darkness. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We're in Christ. and We're abiding there in Him. When we abide in Him, we'll have peace. We'll have the peace of God no matter what happens. God doesn't want us to fret and worry. We're forgetting God when we fret and worry. We're to have peace because He's right there. And He said, I've overcome the world. Be of good cheer. None of this affects me, he said. This doesn't affect me. And if you're in me, then it won't affect you either. You'll be like that rock where the waves crash in, and when they go out, you're still there. Because you're in Christ. And you have the peace of God upon your life. Nothing in this world can disturb the child of God when he's believing on the Lord, when he's trusting in God. And finally... His salvation has never changed. It's always been by the grace of God through faith. Whether it was a lamb on the altar and putting the blood on the altar for temporary forgiveness of sins or the lamb of God who died on the cross. There is no other way. It will never change. Not now or ever. It will always be by grace through faith. You have to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to be saved. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, And is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, but after this the judgment. There's life after death. First you go to a judgment. You'll either go to heaven or you go to hell. I know today that I'm going to heaven. I'm going to bypass that great white throne judgment. And I'm going straight to heaven. Amos 4.12 says, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. I wonder if you're ready to meet your God today. You know, whether you call Him God or not, He still is Lord. And your, your knee will bow and your tongue will confess it. But I pray that your soul goes to heaven. I pray that you've prepared yourself to meet God. It's only going to come by receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So, I've learned in my life and service must be for Jesus Christ. I've got to keep Him as my focus. Not me, not the people. Even though I'm serving people, and I'm ministering to people, and you too in your ministries, or in your daily life, that's not the focus. You're doing it for Him. Because people will let you down. They'll talk about you behind your back. Yeah. And uh, they'll hurt you. And they'll pull your heart out. But you're doing it for Jesus. And that'll get you through that. Now I've learned, in order to properly serve God, I must humble myself like Jesus. Like He did. He was able to go all the way. Because He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I've learned I need to pass on what I've learned. It's discipleship. I believe it's the backbone of the church. If, the soul, if soul winning is the heart of the church, then discipleship is the backbone that holds it together. Everybody in here should know their Bible. I've learned I must do what I'm taught. I know that kind of sounds just funny, but we don't. <laughs> How many times have you been told to do something, you don't do it? You do what you want to do. We just need to be doers of the Word of God. And I've learned that the Lord never changes. So let me ask you, friend, what have you learned? What have you learned? Let's pray. Father, we, if there's uh, someone here that doesn't know Christ, if someone here has no idea where they're going to spend eternity, I pray that soul would seek out somebody and talk to them before they leave here. This was a message to Christians. This was a message to try to get people to recognize there's some things that just need to implement in our life. And if they're good for, if they were good for my dad, then they're good for me. And if they're good for me, then they're good for my children. And just things that we need to do in order to be a better Christian. Lord, I pray that you just work in our hearts. I pray we'd remember one of these things anyway. Something would stick and it would be a help to us because, Lord, you should be glorified in our lives. People should be able to look at us and, uh, and you ought to look good. You ought to be glorified. So, Lord, help us, I pray, uh, to walk away today um, just knowing something that we needed to know. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Thank you for uh, your word and how it, how it uh, changes us, Lord. It helps us in our thinking. So, Lord, we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.